And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 and you will save 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD-infused, deliciously rich, and potentially life-altering Strava Craft Coffee. I, of course, am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. On this episode, we have got to discuss a 5-2 to two win for your Colorado Rockies over the San Francisco Giants in order to improve their record to 8-2 and two on the season. I, of course, uh, will be joined here before too long by our beat writer, Patrick Lyons, who's finishing up the game recap, uh, getting in a little bit of post-game analysis. But boy, oh boy, is there only one place for us to start in this one. And it is, Will, indeed, of course, with your large adult sons, Herman and Yancy. Herman Marquez, and of course, Yancy Almonte shouldn't be left out of the conversation. The Colorado Rockies only had to throw two pitchers uh, in a day after, in fact, really in two days after which the bullpen had been stretched to its limits, both in the series concluding game on Sunday afternoon against the San Diego Padres. And obviously in this series opener, when the Rockies had to go and with a patchwork approach, you know, Chi Chi Gonzalez to start things off a little Jeff Hoffman, a uh, little Philip deal, all guys who had not yet pitched uh, this season. So that the Rockies were able to basically steal that win and then come back out and get exactly the kind of performance that you need to get out of your starting pitcher if you're going to recoup some of that bullpen usage. And so, once again, there can be no delay. There can be no confusion. And quite frankly, in this particular instance, there can be no debate about who your draft king of the game is. It's the name that everyone is saying here in the comments. It's the guy who did the thing. You're looking at 7.1 innings of remarkable starting pitching out of Herman Marquez. He, in fact, is your draft king of the game. No two ways about it. That's the guy it's got to be. You really saw some stellar stuff out of Marquez in this one. And really only, you know, they had the one scoring play. They did catch quite a break there on that fifth inning shot from Steve Duggar that off the bat, I didn't think had a chance to get out. And then once it was going, once it hit out there, I thought it was gone. I thought it was a three-run jack. I thought the game was tied. I think everybody did. And I totally understand why the umpires, you know, thought that it went that way uh, to begin with and ruled it as such. But as it turned out, that was not the case. What a weird, weird bounce. I have never seen anything quite like that in my life of watching baseball where the ball hit 
off the very top of the wall and bounced back into the field of play. 99 times out of 100, that ball is going to skip over the wall with the momentum that it's got. I honestly don't know. Like somebody who's got a a, a physics degree is going to have to come out here and explain to me how it's even possible that that ball hit on the top of the wall and bounced back in. Uh, So there's a couple of ways that you can look at that, right? One, the Colorado Rockies got incredibly lucky, which is true uh, on that play, certainly. The other way to look at it is that is the only play in the game in which the Giants scored, and that was the only inning in which they really had much momentum. We'll talk about the eighth and ninth here in a bit. But, yeah, Henry, like rare occurrences in in MLB, a a game that's been around 150 years, but still every once in a while you'll see something that you have never seen before. And I don't – maybe I've seen that before, but I just can't recall a time in my life where I've watched – uh, a, a ball get hit like that, bounce off the top of the wall and come back in. So as it was, since it didn't go down as a home run, that was the only inning in which Marquez really struggled. Uh, the two hits in front of that were weakly hit, just little dinky, danky little singles out there in front of him. Steve Duggar got into that one. He hit it real, real hard, harder than I realized off the bat. But beyond that, dude, Marquez was just absolutely cooking. Ends up with the nine strikeouts. Did issue a walk there when he went out in the eighth inning. He's the first Colorado Rockies pitcher so far this year to pitch into the seventh. And then, of course, became the first. If not, not naturally, if you if you study your, your logic in school, then you know if he was the first to go into the seventh and he went into the eighth, well, then very surely he was the first to do that as well. Um, David, I also thought that scoring was a little bit weird. A lot of times you will see that ground rule double go and the guy has to come back out to third. It very easily could have been that it it was a strange one. I understood the kind of judgment call because I think it was Crawford was the runner was basically right at third base as that ball hit off the top of the wall. Any kind of normal double there like that, and they were going to score the two runs. So it's hard to make an argument that the Rockies got in any way um, unlucky on that play, where where they certainly were lucky just to have that ball bounce in. But you're right. I I was a little bit surprised by the ruling. That said, only the six hits given up, the one walk late, the nine strikeouts. Hermen Marquez has on the year 23 strikeouts and five walks. He's sitting there with a 189 ERA, Don Harman. Yes, indeed, Samoaka. I think that was our our winner in the poll that we put out. We've been talking about some Herman Marquez nicknames. We talked about maybe King Marquez, but that's taken. King Felix has that. Um, we ha- we had you know Marquis Del Rey. I think that's a, a really interesting one. I wanted to go with Marquez Rex. Nobody likes me, so that's fine. It's a stupid nickname. I come up, I really do come up with the worst nicknames of all time. Don Herman, I think, is is working well. I think there's something to be said about Don Herman, and he was exactly that this evening for your Colorado Rockies. Really dominating at times. He struck out the side in the second or third, I think it was. It was just it, it was remarkable pitching. You guys, he was sitting on 97 miles an hour. He was breaking off. Uh, curveballs and sliders with remarkable consistency. He was dotting the edges. He had professional hitters just putting their bats on their shoulders and putting their head down and walking back to the dugout or swinging through stuff. They knew they had no chance to get. Uh, Even that inning, the two hits in front of Duggar seemed like 
I don't know, kind of they'd given up on any pretense of hitting the ball for power or hitting it. Well, both of those hits in front of them, uh, the Brandon Crawford one in particular was just like, a, am just going to put my bat in the zone where I think your pitch is going to be and hope that the liner falls out in front of an outfielder for a single. And that's exactly what happened, man. They just were not taking confident at bats against Marquez. I hope those of you that follow uh, this podcast and, and the, the Twitter sphere and all of that have been following me along and took the over on Marquez 5.5 strikeouts. He had that in the fourth inning or something. You, you got to keep taking that. If the DraftKings Sportsbook is going to keep putting uh, Marquez at the 5.5 strikeouts, you got to keep taking the over. I will offer you a personal apology for the one time he goes out there and has four or five strikeouts. The, the rest of the times, it's just going to be so much more than that. And so, yeah, there, there's like I said, there, there's no debating this. Marquez was the player of the game. He pitched like an ace out there tonight. Um, he, he, yeah, even the like who we talked about this man, he was a long shot bet maybe for Cy Young, and, and he's looking like that kind of pitcher so far. The only loss on his record is the one nothing game in the home opener. And th this was so important on so many different levels for him to be able to come out and do this. And we talked about preserving the bullpen and the fact that the Rockies stole the game. I had talked before this series started against the Giants about the need to avoid any kind of let up, right? To not be able to relax and take your, your foot off the gas and go, well, it's the giants, you know, they're not quite as good and, and maybe overlook them a little bit. And, and none of that going on is they just went out to try to shove it down their throats. And it, it's kind of funny, you know, the way the both starting pitchers were going in this one, I thought for a minute that David Dahl's run, like the first run of the game, right? The first batter of the game scored, he hit that triple. He came in, on Charlie Blackman, uh, sack fly. And, for, you know, in the fifth inning, I'm going, it's going to be a one nothing game. It's going to end one nothing for the first batter of the game and then nothing, but ended up being a little bit more, I don't know, exciting, eventful, whatever, whatever word you want to put on there for that. David, I don't have the exact time of game. I heard it was, you know, two hours and 40 minutes or something like that in the background here as I was just getting started. I know they were flying through it. A lot of that was both Marquez and Gaussman were working quickly and they were throwing a ton of strikes. That's the one last thing that I wanted to point out about Marquez. He only threw 101 pitches tonight to get those nine strikeouts. That's an extreme amount of efficiency to be able to also still get your swings and misses. Chris coming in. Two hours and 36 minutes. That's that, that's that's a quick ball game. That's great stuff from your starting pitching, from your defense, and, and pounding the strike zone. And that's what both guys did. I know early on, both of them were sitting at like 32 pitches and 22 strikes, something like that. It's an extraordinary ratio. Both of them were going well, but the Rockies were able to take their, you know, get their advantages, find their key hits against that Giants pitching staff take advantage of the key defensive mistakes. We've seen that from a number of other teams this year, making defensive mistakes while the Rockies are out there continually flashing the leather like crazy, right? Nolan Arenado again with a diving catch, and then five minutes later hits a home run that maybe got 10 feet off the ground. We'll talk about the offense here in just a second. But Herman, the man, Marquez, absolutely brilliant stuff out of your starting pitcher 
out of the king of the game, the draft king of the game. And I'll just say again, if he continues to pitch like this, if he continues to bring the mentality, the stuff, the attitude that he brought tonight, you know, don't don't find yourself going, oh, well, it was the Giants. Like, that was a part of my prediction that, that he was going to get his strikeouts today, right? You do have to go, eh, it's the Giants. But if he pitches the way he did this evening, he's going to win a lot of ball games throughout the rest of the year. And you're going to be looking back at our preseason prediction about maybe him being a Cy Young guy and going, hey, what do you know? Patrick, you made it in. Thoughts on Herman Marquez before we change topics. I've been going on and on, man. You know, he, he looked fantastic. And, and the thing you want to say about, hey, it's just the Giants. The last time those two guys faced each other, if you might recall from late last year, gave up 11 runs. Now, granted, you know, the last couple you can totally wipe off of a record. I mean, how do you even give up 11 runs? But the bottom <laughs> line is, basically, this team comprised of a lot of the same guys, you know, did that to him. And guys like Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, both of those guys are hitting well over 400 against Marquez, and he was able to keep them to two singles. They went two for six. Uh, Hunter Pence has a, has a good record against Marquez. Never even had an opportunity uh, to face Marquez. So he just looked fantastic. He set the, the Rockies franchise record. I don't know if you mentioned this. For first pitch that. strikes. 17 yeah. first pitch strikes. So he just looked fantastic and was just, just working that strike zone. Just had that one lone walk. Right there in the eighth, you and I have been discussing, you know, hey, bring him back out for the eighth, give him that opportunity. I I don't know what was best. It ended up working out. I was, my worry was you put him in, and if you put somebody on base, somebody else has to clean it up. And you don't know if the bullpen can clean up somebody else's mess. But Yensei Almonte cleaned it up pretty quickly, pretty swiftly in one pitch. And it was no harm, no foul. Yeah, that, that was a tough decision. I want to really dive into that moment, that decision, what happened late in the game. But I also want to bring in another member of our team here. Very excited. We've talked to her, of course, before the season started. You know we got to get Michaela's thoughts on this. Michaela Perkins, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, uh, how, did, how did that one feel? The Rockies go to 8-2 and two and Marquez out there dealing. And the the – Yancy Almonte, I know the bullpen has been giving you heart palpitations the last couple of days. <laughs> Had to feel nice to, to have that one finish out to see the pitching the Rockies got tonight. Well, I'm glad my heart didn't explode this time around. Yesterday made me a little nervous. So it was nice to have a less dramatic end to this game. But I mean, man, what else can you say about Herman Marquez? Just unreal. I mean, what else could you ask for? It really was, uh, like I, I said, I think I've even got it in the headline here, an ace-like performance. People can debate over that word all they want. That's what Marquez was like out there tonight. Um, you know, Michaela, Patrick and I were texting each other as this was, and you and I were talking about what Marquez was doing, and Patrick and I were talking about what he was doing and whether or not he should come out for that eighth inning. And we were going through all the pros and cons, and it's funny, he, he says to me, you know, if he lets a couple of guys on, that's going to be – a tough spot. And I was going, he's still throwing 97. He's got all this breaking stuff. Send him back out there. And then we were both kind of right, right? He struck out the first guy. And, you know, he's still got the stuff in the eighth. Look at him go. And then the two guys on, Almonte comes into the game. The tying runs at the plate. Michaela, how are you feeling in that moment? Yeah, I mean, I was just so blown away by Ermain's performance that I was like, all right, 
you know, we just got to keep this momentum going. You know, we can't let the Giants get back in this game at all. We just got to keep up that intensity. And I think, um, you know, he did a great job of that when he came in. He kept his cool. Um, and I think it closed out Marquez's performance perfectly. Patrick, you, that was the exact scenario you were potentially concerned about, and that's the issue. You know, the kid comes in cold there. He maybe throws a get-me-over fastball, three-run jack, and, and all of a sudden Marquez's day of brilliance is, is washed away. What would you think of what you got out of Almonte there? You know, from, from what I remember, I think uh, it may have even been his first appearance uh, June of, of 2018 when he came up and he only faced two batters. I think he came in similar. It was a jam, faced two batters, ended up getting a double play through about like seven pitches, something insane like that. It was, hey, welcome to the big leagues, Almonte. Um, I had coincidentally just talked to him down in Albuquerque only a couple weeks prior because he was a starting pitcher all throughout the minor leagues, right. except when he was in the Arizona Fall League. And when I asked him about it, he said, you know, I, I kind of like coming out of the bullpen. You know, you, you're bringing your, your A game from the get-go. You're not trying to set up guys for the second, third, or fourth time. <laughs> you know, you face them. There's a lot more juice uh, in the game and in the stadium. Uh, there's a lot more on the line. And, man, he showed it right then and there to pick his boy up and to pick his team up in a spot where, yeah, the tying run is at the plate. A veteran hitter like Brandon Belt is up there and can do a lot of damage and has – uh, over his over his career at Coors Field, and he goes out, gets the pitch where he wants it. Owings to Story to Murphy, put a bow on it in the ninth first career save for Yancy Almonte. Yeah, really, really beautiful stuff. And that yeah, that he got to go back out there uh, for the ninth inning. That was another thing I texted you. I said, send him back out. He only threw the one pitch, and you said, yeah, I, no hesitation. You said, of course, send him back out. Gives up the leadoff single gets another double play how about this kid how about the rockies bullpen you know other than that one guy <laughs> he who shall not be named <laughs> uh, right we, we, uh, were, we were when we were texting we said maybe the the rockies kind of have you know obviously they, they might have a closer by committee situation but you know because you can't buddies may wear out buddy may wear out carlos estevez and jairo diaz he just can't use them every night, even though he wants to. And those guys have been doing it, but you you only have so many miles. They only have so many bullets in the gun, so you can't do that. So we kind of surmised, hey, maybe it's a, it's a Estevez-Diaz game, and maybe eventually you get to a point where it's an Almonte-Bard game, and you have these teams of setup men and closers now that's not really realistic, but if you're winning every, every day and, and you got to get guys rest <laughs> and you've got all of the, you know, 60 games in 66 days, granted, they've already had two off days. So now we're talking about quick math, 55 games in 64 game, four days. It's, it's insane. So, uh, I, I just, I just love what the bullpen's doing right now. And it's got to get you fired up, especially, uh, with how it's been in the past and, and they're doing it without, out those guys you, you thought you would have to rely on, like Shaw, McGee, and Davis, and now you may never see them again. <laughs> right? Like, uh, it shouldn't be lost that Almonte was the only other guy besides Marquez that had to pitch tonight. Everybody else got a day off. 
that was enormous, especially Carlos Estevez. I'm sure he's going to be buying those guys. Drink. I didn't have to pitch today. It's like the first time all, all season. So we got to talk about this, this offense and get into some fun stuff. But of course, while we're talking about whacking the ball around, you got to remember to download WGT Golf, the most fun game in the world. It's totally free and you get to whack the ball around. You download it totally for free at dnvrgolf.com. You play it on your phone or your laptop. You can join now the third DNVR Country Club. That's how much fun and how popular this game has been. Plus, you know, did I mention that it was free? We've had to create a third country club. Why? Well, because you get to play digital golf. You get to challenge us here in the DNVR offices. You get to talk a bunch of trash. And there's really nothing to lose. It's just fun. So come and join us out on the digital links. Download WGT Golf today at DNVR Golf. And since I don't want to miss out on any of the rhythm that we've established here with the bats, much like the Colorado Rockies have established themselves a rhythm, I only want to remind you that if you don't want to miss out on any of this stuff, you want to make sure that you are totally sharp and ready to go, well, then you got to get yourself nice and educated over at MSU Denver Online. I know from firsthand experience, they've got super engaged teachers, extremely responsive to emails, questions, and concerns. This is a group of people who've been doing the digital education thing for years, not for weeks, for years. It is built into what they do, and they know how to do it best. Whether you're starting a new degree, finishing up an old one, getting a new skill underneath your belt, whatever it is, check out their classes at msudenver.edu slash online. Get yourself educated so that you can know all of the fancy ways to talk about how now get I need the physics lessons right so go get your physics classes from MSU Denver first of all somebody explained to me how that ball bounced back in I do not wow. understand the physics of that uh, and That's here's the another second thing time I, in two days That's the second I time know. in two days because yesterday Pulling that ball was blocked in right field yeah. Hit the scoreboard and bounce right up. Never seen that before. I've never seen that before. I almost wonder if there being the scores in there, like actual numbers changes it. I don't know. <laughs> I um, don't either. But Michaela, how about the physics on this one? Nolan Arenado hit a ball that I don't think got more than nine feet off of the ground. <laughs> and so he went crazy. out. Yeah. I mean, I think the broadcast said the launch angle is 18 degrees and the average yeah. in major league baseball is 28 degrees. So it's 10 degrees below your average. What? That was just a straight missile. I just, I, that was insane. <laughs> what was it? But as 105.7, uh, so about 106 miles an hour off the bat when they, when they talk about a frozen rope. Yeah. Missile. I like it. yours better. Missile. Missile is right. Yeah. <laughs> Not quite a bomb like we usually see, more of like a missile. Right. <laughs> right. There's a there's an angle. Right. There's a certain parabola. Did I just use that word correctly? You did. Very good. Let's go. Parabola. <laughs> and and it would have been, it would have been uh it would have been catastrophic, but it certainly would have sucked had he hit the that left field Breitich barrier. Like typically we we when we say the Breitich barrier, we're talking about in right center field what blocks the bullpen, but that fence in left field was also part of you know what was added originally several years ago when Jeff Breidich took over analytics team said hey you know what we might be able to keep the ball in the ballpark a little bit more here and there and it would have been a shame if if Nolan Arenado felt the brunt uh, of that but uh, but no it, it just eked out right in that corner there uh, nine feet off the ground the entire way unbelievable I agree with Kenneth's comment. Cargo used to do that a lot. He would hit those laser low liner home runs. Check this out. Asking you shall receive folks. Paul coming in 
physics degree from MSU in 2004. <laughs> Best guess is that it hit the handrail below the padding, and that's how the, that ball was able to come up. So he says with a rounded handrail, that's maybe how it could have bounced back as opposed to a more – I don't know. Thanks, Paul. That was what I thought. Immediately <laughs> yeah, when I saw right, it live, sure. <laughs> my initial instinct was, mm, probably a rounded handrail underneath. Uh, right. No, yeah, that was – I had to watch that numerous times. I thought it it hit uh, like a piece of metal just behind the padding, which would have made all the sense in the world. But no, it hits directly on top but comes back on, and it was – Because it's – You can't make that up. Coors Field is defending itself – from home runs. In fact, <laughs> that ended up snapping a streak. The Giants had homered in 13 consecutive games at Coors Field, a wow. franchise record for them. Snapped that streak by keeping that ball in. So that was that that was in many ways the turning point of the game, I, I think, because that would have tied it up 3-3. But as it were, uh, they don't get that run. Marquez shuts it down. They keep the lead in, and they tack onto it and win the ball game 5-2. Rocky's Twitter said it best. Coors Field taketh it and Coors Field giveth away it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or something right. like that. <laughs> well, one of the one of those things. Well, and Michaela, you pointed out, of course, too, that Nolan Arenado's nine feet in the air home run came about five minutes after he made a diving catch. And it what isn't it funny to watch like the first six or seven games of this year and the Rockies are playing well. There's no Nolan Arenado contribution hardly at all. And now he's out there everywhere. A couple of home runs and a couple of games that like this guy's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I almost felt bad for the guy because the team was doing so well and he hardly had any offensive production. And then all of a sudden this, like it took one and the dam broke and now you've got him contributing to their offense as well. And it's so cool to see the Rockies really firing on all cylinders. I mean, usually we kind of have a mismatch where either they're hitting really well and the pitching's kind of horrible or the pitching's doing well, but the hitting's just not there. And now to finally see it all like come together and the Rockies just firing on all cylinders, it just gets me going. I'm so excited. <laughs> right. It's very when much you're... a matter of, I was gonna oh. say, it's very much a matter of, of practicing what you preach. And, you know, there's been plenty of times where if Nolan hits that dry spell, the team isn't always able to pick them pick them up and that's that's absolutely been the case up to this point and you know buddy said it before monday's game like eventually he's he's going to break break through and and really make some other teams pitchers pay and and he's he's been doing that since then but the the more they don't need to rely on him i think just the 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 less stress it, it's going to put on him and i think he's just going to feel more comfortable He'll get back to just mashing like he normally does. And when he really needs to step up and say, you know what? These guys have been doing it, doing it for us all year long. Now it is time for me to do it. And not because I have to, but it's just I, I just want to. I need to. And he's like that regardless. But I think you're more likely and more apt to see something like that in those big games in September if you're just kind of you're you're building this momentum to say, you know what? The Rockies can do it without Nolan. So when they need him to do it the most. He will in September, and that's really when we're going to see the best of him. We haven't even scratched the surface of that yet. All those games against the Dodgers, that would be a nice time. Jesse watching in from Cusco, Peru. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Thanks for, for checking in with us, Jesse. Really appreciate that. Um, yeah, as, as we're still here on the offense, to the points that the both of you have been making, Trevor Story now batting 306, OPS up over 1,000 at 1071, scored another run today for those of you that trusted Patrick Lyon's pick of the week from DNVR Bets several weeks ago that yeah, he's staying near the top of the league and runs scored, as is Charlie Blackman and hits your boy 
batting 390. Remember a couple of weeks ago, Patrick, when we were like, he might get up to a slow start. He had COVID and he didn't have any summer camp and he just showed up one day. And what in the world, Charlie Blackman can rake, he'll be able to hit till he's 40. <laughs> yeah, no, that, Never. That's, so, that's impressive what, what he what he's doing. You Don't underestimate him. Is that what you're going to say? Yeah, I was literally just about to say, don't doubt Chuck Nasty because he will prove you wrong. <laughs> hundred percent like it, it's just amazing to watch the way he works through these at bats got another couple of rbi today we talked about nolan already uh daniel murphy throwing out another double uh just again continues to hit the ball hard two hard hit balls today he's hitting 345 on the young season matt kemp really his first 04 of the year didn't really need him that much though uh he did drive in a run with a fielder's choice though Are you were you going to point out that at bat? that was that was big Go back and watch that play because as soon as he hit that ball, it was just kind of a defensive swing, but he immediately busted out of the box on that. And again, that goes to show you like the value of of every play. And it was there weren't any outs, so it wasn't like it was going to be an inning-ending double play. So he certainly could have maybe you know taken his time a little bit as the veteran guy, but no, he is doing all of the little things really well and. You know, that's it. You just got to chip in, do your thing. And, and they've just been getting it tomorrow uh, on Wednesday's DFA show. Drew and I are going to kind of, we're going to look into those guys that haven't been getting, you know, the, the, the publicity that they might normally would. We, we, we know who the stars of the Rockies are, but this year they're getting a lot of contributions from all over the place. We're going to talk about those guys uh, and, and look ahead to, what they're going to need to continue to get out of those guys if they're going to stay. You ready for this? If they're going to stay in first place in the he NL said it. West. He said hey. it out loud. <laughs> and and gonna this be. is what I, I really wanted to get Michaela to, to weigh in on this as well because I think this is a developing big conversation in, in the Rockies community right after that that play uh, you know, with Kemp. Or no, it was, it was a play later on. And Sam Hilliard drove in the run. And you saw Kemp and turn and give Hilliard a little one of these, which was a great moment from a veteran to a young guy. Uh, but Hilliard driving in the run, a couple of hard hit balls, and, and Buddy is is shuffling the bottom of his lineup right now. Chris Sowings, I keep calling Chris Sowings a veteran, and Michaela, you probably know him better than uh, any of us. He's like 27, and he's totally yeah. reworked his swing, and he's out there doing the thing, but whether it's the, the bottom of this lineup, right, it's been Hilliard, Owings, McMahon, Hampson, Tapia of these guys, who do you like to break out this year? Who do you have the most confidence in Michaela or, or even just like, who's the guy you for whatever reason think could be the one to finally cement themselves. Cause right now I think buddy's just playing the hot hand and that's smart. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting question. I think it has a lot of layers to it. Um, I think if you'd have asked me that question at the beginning of the year, my money would have been on Tapia, but um, I think he's been struggling a little bit in that DH spot. Um, he hasn't had as much offensive production as I would have hoped for him to have so far this year. Hopefully, yeah. you know, he can turn that around. But like you said, I mean, Sam Hilliard is just, I mean, he's young, but he's coming up clutching so many of these situations. And actually when Buddy took him out um, to swap him out for Chris Owings, I was a little, I mean, I understood that the left on left situation wasn't ideal, but I was a little disappointed because I think, you know, that was an opportunity for him to really shine in a high pressure situation. And, you know, if he, if he doesn't come up clutch, then it's not his fault because Wade Davis blew it anyways. 
Um, right. But <laughs> right. I'm, re I'm really excited for Sam Hilliard. I mean, so far, everything I've seen from him has been so promising and he's really young. Um, and, you know, I got to know Chris Owings a lot when he was in Arizona and he spent a lot of time in Florida relearning everything. I mean, hitting mechanics, he just tore down his swing and completely rebuilt it. And I think that says a lot to what he, who he is as a baseball player. He's obviously very dedicated. You know, he could have been down on his luck and didn't really get that chance to come back into the majors. But all that time he spent in Florida re, re, you know, configuring that swing and all of his mechanics, I think paid off because I think you're seeing the results of that work happening now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's exciting. I know the bottom of the lineup hasn't been as productive as the top of the lineup, but I think given a little bit more time, they're really going to shine. Yeah. A lot of chatter, uh, about Tapia right now. And, and, and you were right there on that, Michaela, as far as our thoughts, you know, the one thing that has really benefited Colorado right now has been their health. Now, Ryan Tapia, mm -hmm. he's first ever DH at Coors Field. Right, that's that's, that's so weird. <laughs> of all the, the things, so weird. <laughs> when I saw that kid playing in 2013 in Junction at like 19 years old, I did not think to myself, "Yeah, first ever DH at Coors Field." That's <laughs> for hilarious. numerous reasons. Yeah, yeah. Right. So when you think of iconic designated hitters in Rockies history, you got Ryan Spielborgs, who's the only one for those two games, right, uh, in in Boston, and you have Ryan right. Altapia at yep. Coors Field. But the health has been great, and you're going to need Ryan Altapia for spells at a time because someone is going to get hurt between the three that we've seen out there or Chris Owings is going to be needed maybe more at second base uh, mm -hmm. in, in some instances, right? So we don't really know what's going to happen. He's, he's going to be a vital member of the team. And as long as the team's winning, you got to feel good about it and you got to chomp at the bit. And Buddy's giving everybody a chance. So, hey, here's your chance. Here's your opportunity. And even if you're if you only go, you know, or even if you go 0 for 3 like Matt Kemp did, get an RBI, contribute. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. be, be, be a, a guy who, again, keeps the train moving along. And so long as you're doing that, you're going to continue to get playing time. So we saw McMahon get the day off uh, on Tuesday night. Same with Tapia. And I think we'll, we'll see those guys again, and they're still going to get it, their, their, their chances. It, it's, it's way too early to write them off or to think oh, about for sure. shipping them away to somewhere else, although he does make for an interesting trade chip uh, if they need to do something by the August 31st deadline. I will I I will stand Rymel Tapia until he's thirty nine years old. I'll never stop. I will. Not, I don't care. Tapia can still be sitting on his career two seventy five batting average. I'll be going. He makes contact. Uh, I, I will be Rymel Tapia's biggest defender until the day he retires from Major League Baseball, probably. But I just like Michaela said. I think this is you're just in good problem to have territory because look, Chris Owings isn't going to hit like this all year, and Matt Kemp will slow down. A little bit. And, and you know, I, I've liked the at-bats that Walters is putting together. But guys are going to go into their slumps here and there. And the other guys will will come up. Hampton's got more to give this team. Tapia's got more to give this team. And it's just exciting that while none of them are, are taking off and, and grabbing the reins, and like, I have to play every single day, except maybe Kemp right now. But he's a DH. Um, it's just an exciting place for for your ball club to be in. And, and I do think that, like you said, Patrick, Tapia and, and, and these other guys are going to get more opportunities. Um, and, and there's a new rule today that was, well, I shouldn't say new rule, but oh, again, right. as, they're, as they're doing everything on the fly, we were kind of expecting something like this. I thought it would stay at 30-man at rosters, but uh, Thursday we'll go, back, we'll go down to 28, 
but it will remain at 28 for the rest of the season. It was going to go down to 26-man roster uh, in another two weeks' time, but no, it has been decided it's going to stay at 28. So it's only two guys that you're going to be trimming off your roster. The taxi squad is still going to be uh, around. It's actually, in fact, going from three guys to five players on the taxi squad. So I think Tapia is, is probably safe in that regards. We still have yet to see Josh Fuentes, so he might be uh, on the chopping block when they need to get rid of two guys. I was say, Fuentes probably... and Godot haven't played yet, so your two guys are probably... <laughs> exactly right. And again, yeah. Tapia doesn't have any uh, any options, too. So, uh, Or, you know, maybe one um, controversial <clears throat> closer. <laughs> you know, that that's interesting. Uh, D-Line <laughs> was asking earlier who the closer is now. I do. We've talked before about this. I think we're going to see some closer by committee. I do think it's going to be Diaz more often than not until further notice but you're gonna see buddy do what he did tonight which was well monte looked good through the one pitch his arm is fresh get back out there kid uh so i th- i think we're gonna see more and more of that um i think the chances are above zero percent that we have seen wade davis pitch his last pitch as a member of the colorado rockies i think that's right i think i think we'll we'll, we'll see a return and um and again, I don't know but, what to expect out of him, but he I, yeah. I certainly expect he will not be closing any more games uh, or even finishing games. Sure. Uh, <laughs> right. So, but, it, but can he take Joe Harvey's spot on the roster? Yeah. Michaela's like, uh, <laughs> she's like, I don't know. Let's see what Joe's got. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, that, that's, but I, I think you're right. I think he can come back. But if the rest of these guys pitch this well in the meantime, it wouldn't totally shock me if they just let him go. I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. There it is. What, what what's <laughs> the what's the over under for how many different Rockies players get a save this year? Because I, I think it could be I think it could be about five, five? and a half. Yeah, I was gonna say five. But Ooh, we gotta okay. make it a half. So it's either four and a half or five Ooh. and a half. And since I and said got, five, what am I taking the over under? Yeah. You already have Diaz with a save. Yeah. Diaz. Wait, Davis wait, has a save. And Almonte just wait, got one two. tonight. Right. Right. So you so have three guys. There's already yeah. three. Kinley's going to get one. Estevez will get one. Bard's going to get Bard one. Bard will get one. I, I think I think five and a half would have to be that that number to, to, to decide. So that could be interesting. And you still could have another guy. You still could have Chichi Gonzalez go out. And and have like a, a four inning save, you know, doing something like that in in a game, uh, much like he did last year against Los Angeles. So, uh, it'll you know, it, it's not the craziest thing to have that many different guys, you know, uh, register a save, but it is for a sixty game season. That is pretty wild. Do you think we see any complete games this season? I think we'll. See, you mean from the Rockies particularly? Mm-hmm. I. You know, this this was about as close. It's too bad the Giants' season right. was early. Uh, series was easy, early in the season, right? Because that's the t- type of team you can go complete game on. Um, I don't think so. I don't think. I mean, if anyone will do it, it'll be Marquez, right? Um, on a night like tonight when he had it, and you saw even there how difficult it is, even against a lineup that's struggling. When every game matters so much, and and you only need to go to your reliever for that one pitch. Um, I'd love to see it though. I was so happy, despite the fact that it didn't work out in his favor, that Buddy sent 
Herman back out there for the eighth. I thought that was an extraordinary show of confidence in the young, the 25 year old. Remember that Herman Marquez is 25 years old. So, wow. Wow, wow, I'm going to wow. say yes. I think there will be a complete game. Love it. Um, and, and it'll probably be Marquez, but but it, it could be John Gray. I think, you know, going back to what you said Let's about go. him. Go, going back to what you said about, you know, uh, Buddy saying, you know, we're going to stick with you in the eighth. I think that is a little bit of, of, of you know, kind of projecting into the future. Like, you know, we got a, our bullpen's fine and we can go to them. And they were, you know, Amante did, did a fantastic job and, uh, you know, Bard was there warming up as well, uh, if need be. But I think what what Buddy is trying to do is say, look, if you're going to be my ace, I want you to be not my best pitcher on the team. I want you to be an ace. When you're talking mm-hmm. about just the best pitchers in the game, and there's usually only about ten or so around mm-hmm. the game that are bona fide aces. There's another twenty that are that fluctuate. One year Zach Greinke's an ace, the next he's just the best pitcher on the staff. Uh, there's numerous guys you can go back and forth. But I think if the only way you can get him to be an ace is, and we said this, Drew, you and I, when we were texting, you got to be able to get lineups out the fourth time around. And you yeah. can only do and that tough. if you get those opportunities, right? And so right. his pitch count is down. And so now he's going to learn something. He's going to take something away from this experience to say, okay, you know, maybe that third at bat I have, I got to get him out. But I also need to be maybe thinking about that, that fourth uh, at bat, should this guy come up. You know the leadoff hit or whatever it is, so I, I think you have that. And and to go back to you know possibly John Gray being that guy with a complete game, I think uh, if the Rockies can really just continue to build this momentum, it's going to be you know besides it just being a different guy every night contributing, it's really going to be a matter of you know what the, the anything you can do I can do better. Yeah. everything's going to get yeah. better. Yeah, it's going to mm-hmm. be contagious, and it's just going to be like guys, singular guys having these magic moments or magic games. And I think John Gray just goes out. It clicks probably in San Diego because he pitches so well Love there. It. He <laughs> yep. says it's something about the backstop he sees so well. That's that's, that's a true. spot for him that he just goes out, complete game. Maybe he gives up a run. It's a complete game shutout. But he just goes a complete game because Buddy's like, you know what? Yeah, we could go to the bullpen here. Um, but you know what? This is a gift to you, John. This is to set you up. You know, we've got a couple weeks until the playoffs roll around. Uh, I want you to know that we believe in you to go out and be a big game stopper in that way. So I, I think there is that chance. There's much less games, right? We're talking only 50 left. But I think in this season where there's a lot of magic starting to build and a lot of momentum building for this Rockies team, I think even more so than any other time, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, that's a great answer. I, I think that's good. I want to finish out on a fun one. Uh, before we sign this one off here, normally this would be the kind of question we would answer on like a DFA show or something that that's not right after a game. But I just love this. Kenneth wanting to know, did you guys and gal play a little baseball growing up? And if so, what are your positions? Michaela, what's your position? Oh, all right. This is a two part answer. So I played softball, like coaches pitched softball when I was, you know, around that age. I don't even remember what, like eight or nine. And the year after that, we finally went to fast pitch and I played first base and uh, the batter hit a pop up infield like 
fly ball and I lost the ball in the sun and the softball came down and plunked me in the eye and it gave me a black eye and that the next day I quit softball. So that was the very short, <laughs> the very short wow. end to my career. Um, so DH, I, DH, yes. got it. Okay. Yep. Just put me in the DH spot. Don't let me in the infield. <laughs> um, but I did get to manage the high school baseball team. I know I mentioned that to you guys earlier this year, but I did get to manage the high school baseball team. So I didn't play baseball, but I was very involved um, in baseball when I was younger. But yeah, my softball career was not pretty. So um, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, for me, uh, pitcher was my primary position. And I, I, I probably could have continued playing a, a little junior college ball in uh, Ocean County College. Uh, there on the Jersey Shore, but I actually decided to to focus on academics, which was probably the right right choice. But I keep thinking, ah, what if? So pitcher was probably my best position, uh, but on all the other days I wasn't starting or coming into relief. My position was whatever one we didn't have a player at. So <laughs> I was a, I was a utility player before I even knew what a utility player was. You were like right. the Daniel Descalso of your time. Oh yeah, no, no doubt. <laughs> No doubt, where, where it was like, okay, we don't have a third baseman this year on JV. Coach, I play a little third base. Oh, you do, Lions? Okay, boom, I, I played third base that year. Or that was the last position I ever played was first base, and that was when I played like you know like a summer collegiate league where it was just, just for fun, and we didn't have a first baseman, so I had to go to the, the Models or Dick Sporting Goods to buy my a first baseman's mitt because we didn't yeah. have a first baseman. But every other team I was on, we had a first baseman, so – Basically, if you have an open spot, that's the position I happen to play. What do you know? <laughs> I just want to play. Open that's spot. It. You're, you're, yeah, yeah. Daniel Descalso, Chris Owings, that guy. Yeah. Yep. Coaches whatever. love those guys, you know? Yeah. Totally. That's why, that's why I got a in. lot of playing time. I, yeah. I always played because I, I, I stuck it out at whatever position was remaining. <laughs> yeah. I was, a, I was a catcher until – I turned about 12 or 13 and had a, a massive growth spurt, and, and suddenly I was 6'2", 6'3", and they were like, you can't catch Ooh, it. Yeah, no, it's the no. worst day of my life, by the way. Your poor knees. <laughs> I told that to somebody. Who was it? One of the coaches. I want to say it was Jeff Salazar. Um, or one, no, no, no. It was Daryl Scott. I was, I was leaning down in the Rockies, like, like in the hallway. Like to get a text or something. I just crouch down in the hallway to lean my because I'm tall and my back hurts all the time. And, and so I leaned up against the the thing to read a text. He's like, "You got solid positioning, kid. Could you frame?" And I was like, "Dude, I could catch back in the day, but I got tall and fast, and so they put me out in center field, and I was terrible because I couldn't because I had bad eyesight. I couldn't read the 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 ball off the the bat." very well. So the yeah. fact that I was fast did not make up for the fact that I could not read the ball off of the bat. I was a great catcher. I'll believe that forever. <laughs> I probably wasn't. I was 10, but I believed I was a great catcher. There's no evidence to suggest the contrary. So you know what? You mm -hmm. went out on top. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's what I will choose to believe. Well, I see a ton of comments and questions coming in here. You guys have been absolutely fantastic. Join us tomorrow at three o'clock. We'll be doing three o'clock p.m. Mountain time because in case you happen to be in Peru or Hawaii, any of you guys out there having a great time. Uh, we're going to be playing some fun games. We're going to be doing a, a trivia game with us. If you've subscribed to the DNVR.com and you're a member of our Discord lounge, you can get in on that action with us and play the trivia to try to win yourself a 
uh, sticker pack and or the the opportunity to, I think, steal some of my food down here at the DNVR bar. Patrick has decided to make that a part of our trivia game. It's going to be something different every time. I don't know. we'll, We'll see. I got the tots right now. I got to finish up these tots before I take off. I'm drinking the mango mosaic from our friends oh, at Breckenridge Brew. My that favorite. Mango, oh, the mango mosaic is absolutely fantastic. My favorite. Chris is going to be out there golfing, so he, uh, he he's going to be able to be a lifeline. Uh, he, he was he was helping out our guy Manny Randawa last time when he was doing the trivia game. So make sure that you're subscribed to the Facebook, the YouTube, the Twitter, all that stuff, so that you don't miss it on the live content. You can join us for all these questions, and we're going live right after the end of every single Colorado Rockies game, win or lose. And there's been a lot more win than lose lately for your Colorado Rockies, who are sitting there at eight and two. And as Patrick said, and it is worth repeating, first place Colorado Rockies how about that music to my ears thank you all for joining us for this episode of the podcast hopefully that you're following us all on the social media at Drew Creaseman at Patrick D Lyons at Michaela E Perkins of course you got to follow DNVR underscore Rockies follow all of the other beats right now too we're having a Colorado sports renaissance you gotta hook up with DNVR abs and DNVR nuggets you don't want to miss out on any of that the Denver sports podcast which we do at the end of the week every week all of our sponsors remember every time you drink a Breck brew or play a game of WGT golf it helps us out it really does do us a favor and we appreciate it as we move through this year here it's going to be extraordinary you don't want to miss a single day of it so subscribe to the dnvr.com so that you can continue to be absolutely awesome baseball fans out there i promise you we will continue to remain absolutely drew creaseman patrick lyons and michaela perkins in here and until next time we will see you at the ballpark (laughs) 